Welcome, Bird Gang. Bear with me with my voice, but we press on. On today's show, we begin to break down the best game of the week. Not the storyline of the week, the game. A matchup of a pair of 3-0 teams, first place in the NFC West on the line. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, of course, if my voice holds up. But first, maybe it's time to rename the Player of the Week Award. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 474, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Like clockwork. 5.31 a.m. The email arrives in my inbox. Byron Murphy, named NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Three weeks in a row, MJ, the Cardinals have had a player honored for their performance by the league. I guess it's just to be expected. I mean, it's remarkable, and you, I'm thinking, is this the first time it's happened? It's not. Now, i, I got to think it's the first time it's happened in the first three weeks of Correct. the season. Correct. Because last year they had three in a row, if I'm not mistaken, according to the Cardinals press release. Yes. Last year, and then it's happened five times previous as far as having it in three consecutive weeks, but the second straight year for the Cardinals. Do you want me to do a lot more talking today? <laughs> I appreciate have to. You're, you're a trooper. I feel fine. I know you feel look fine. fine. I mean, you you look fine. You don't look like uh, you had tea already. You got yep. cough drops. Uh, yep, I'm all good. All right, well, there's, you can lean on me if uh, if you you have to uh, cough or anything or clear your throat. So we'll get through it. Absolutely. It's, we we it's, press on here. It's Wednesday. we got to look ahead now. Yeah, big game on Sunday. By the way, this is what Murphy did on Sunday, two interceptions, including his first career pick six, four tackles, two passes, defense, played every snap despite being listed questionable because of an ankle injury. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I know that he met with the media on Wednesday and rightfully so winning the award, but it's just, I just go back to that rookie season. I mean, it's it's worth pointing out. I mean, Patrick Peterson gets suspended, Robert Alford doesn't make it to the season, and he's thrown out there and you know, you go back to week one, it wasn't too big for him covering Julio Jones or even Marco Wilson. So just the progress he's made. And then we go back to what Vance Joseph said in the offseason. He literally, literally is a number one cornerback, and he could play inside and outside. So position flexibility, he's found his way on the field. And that was a rookie, as a rookie. And he admitted as much as far as how much he's grown from year one to now year three. And you could tell. Being honored meant a lot to him, and being honored from his hometown team. Remember, Scottsdale Saguaro to the Arizona Cardinals, and then brought up the fact that in 2015, he was named the high school player of the year. Cardinals honored him at halftime of a game. He was presented by owner Michael Bidwell a number seven jersey, and now he is wearing number seven. By the way, he still has that jersey that was presented to him in 2015. Yeah, and this really starts with uh, the Bill Bidwell um, when it came to high school players of the week. I mean, it started a long time ago, and I know you you were on the panel uh, when you were doing high school football here, so this really goes back to when Mr. B uh, decided to do it, and it's just uh, the fact that this is the first year he can change his number, and he had number seven that day. It's just kind of a full circle, and, and I'm glad because he's worked hard 
I think his football IQ is off the charts. You could just just go back to week one with the flea flicker. He, you know, obviously the guy was wide open. You, you fast forward to week three. He looks at the running back Robinson. He sees he's going to toss the uh, ball back. He runs to the position and he makes the pick. So, just in a few weeks, he learned from week one. Now, who's it going to be next week, MJ? We got to keep this streak going. Yeah, it's just you know Matthew Stafford. He's won the 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 player of the week the first and third week. Kyler Murray in week two. Chandler Jones obviously, you know, had a huge impact in week one. It just seems like, and I know there's other uh, players on there, but it's, uh, I want to say the NFC is dominating these awards. I mean, the fact that Cardinals already had three in the first three weeks now, it's it's, it's NFC and AFC. But yeah, it's remarkable. Well, now. You and I had a conversation before we get into you know the, the Cardinals' offense versus the uh, Rams' defense. I guess I could phrase this a couple of different ways. The biggest impact of the player of the week probably was Chandler Jones, just because the five sacks really propelled this team to shut down Derrick Henry. And then you look at Kyler Murray, um, who played really well in Week One, but then in Week Two he put up the numbers. And then you look at Byron Murphy. I mean, uh, I still think the Cardinals would have won that game, but that was the first time when they, they were able to take a lead, you know, considering what happened before the half. So uh, all three are deserving. Um, it's just interesting how they all had some kind of impact in each of the games. And Murphy's pick six really turned the yeah. tide of that game on Sunday. So congratulations to Byron Murphy as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals Wednesday Roster moves, and lots of them. A couple of that we want to highlight here before we get into week four. Antonio Hamilton signed to the active roster. He had been elevated from the practice squad the first three games. Two standard elevations, one a COVID elevation. You're only allowed two standard elevations before a decision has to be made. So he is on the active roster. He is taking the place of safety Charles Washington, who was put on IR with a hamstring injury. The other notes... Dennis Gardeck on the field practicing. That window has been open for him as far as coming off the IR because of a hand injury. So we'll see if we see 45, probably not this week, but Kingsbury made it sound like it could be next week. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to see him on the field today during the open portion of practice. Um, you know, he looked in good shape. He was running. He was doing every drill. Um, but you got to be cautious, and maybe this is a blessing in disguise because we know that he goes 100 miles an hour, and so the fact they can get him back next week, and, and I guess we'll find out more on Jordan Phillips. I didn't see him out there during the open portion. Kingsbury said he's making progress, but at this point in time, I don't know if they can rely on him until he's back on the field practicing at least for a week or so because he's got to get into football shape. Still progressing is what Kingsbury said on Wednesday. Uh, a practice squad notes, cornerback Quentin Dunbar has been signed. Six-year veteran, once again a player with size, 6'2", 202 pounds, spent last season with the Seahawks, had a knee injury that cut his season short, but once again looking for depth in that cornerback room. Yeah, and if you look at last year, they brought in Jonathan Joseph, they brought in Prince of Makamura, he was an active uh, clearly, they're always looking to, to have some depth there. I think they like their top four guys, but injuries do occur. And you got to give Antonio Hamilton a lot of credit. He came on here between him and Russell Douglas. He was the, the first guy up. And so they like their four corners, and he's made plays. And he also plays on special teams. So, you know, that's if you're going to be a backup. So, 
you can never have enough corners. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, that's been the strength of this team, at least for the first three weeks. I think, you know, we can point out week one was the front seven. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, they've forced turnovers, and they're, and they're really good in open field tackling. And that special teams aspect, especially with Charles Washington now not being available, right. you'll see a lot of Antonio Hamilton on special teams. A couple of injury items, Calvin Beecham, Justin Pugh, Justin Murray, all day-to-day. I guess we'll probably have a better idea come Friday if they'll be available this week against the Rams. But you're talking about three key pieces to your offensive line, especially if Beecham's unable to go, and now all of a sudden Murray might not be able to go. Yeah, I, I checked around. I, I asked if, if um, you know Beecham was ready last week, and they said that he was close, but it wasn't anything to do with the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he was able to play, they would have played him, but he's he needed some more uh, rehab, and so you know, hopefully, but you know, Josh Jones played very well. I mean, he, he had a win rate of 98%. That's the same as Quentin Nelson. We're talking about a guy who was drafted in the top five. You and I know how the Cardinals were thrilled that he was on the board at 72. Um, they had him ranked a little bit higher, maybe a second-round pick. Um, but the fact that they got him in the third round and 39 pressures, he was perfect. Now, in the ideal situation, Beecham comes back and you slide him back in the garden and Murray if he's able to be your swing guy. And we'll find out more on Justin Pugh. Um, you know, backers are, back issues always, uh, you know, can always flare up. But I, the Justin Pugh we've covered, I think he's going to try to go. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it's another week. But, um, you know, if he's practicing on Friday, then I think he's good to go. And keep in mind, Jones had been right guard. He yeah. had been playing inside, and all of a sudden they kick him outside because Beecham's unable to go and Murray's not uh, available. And all of a sudden that's that was an interesting decision. Um, and it worked out for the Cardinals, at least against the Jaguars. Different story this week, and let's get into it, because when you talk about this Rams defense, yes, it's a different defense than a year ago, different defensive coordinator, but a lot of the same faces, including Aaron Donald. Yeah, you know, I was looking it up today, though. The Rams defense right now is ranked 20th. Um, they're giving up 374 yards. Um, they're giving up 281 through the air and 92.7, but small sample. But let's be honest. I mean, I, I listened to Tom Brady uh, on his podcast on Monday, and he said that that they were the more physical team. And, he, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, because they had been on a winning streak, you know, and he said once they got in that game, and, he, and Brady mentioned that, you know, the best team doesn't always win on game day. He said it's a team that shows up and has the best performance. But he he did say they were a very physical team. And it all starts with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and then you throw in Jalen Ramsey. Now, I will say one of their corners, Williams, he's only like 5'10". So I'm wondering if A.J. Green um, can – if he's if, – because he's a number two corner. Uh, Darius Williams. Darius Williams. But he's not the tallest guy, and we just talked about – you know Dunbar, where he's six two, even though he's on the practice squad. But you like to have those those taller corners. But in this case, the Cardinals could have an advantage. Obviously, Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore are going to be have to be involved in the passing game. But it's you know it's just I, I don't know. I clearly you want to run the football to keep them on the sidelines. That, that's obvious. Um, Establish the run. But I, I do think with the Cardinals' weapons, 
if they can protect Kyler Murray, he may have to run out of the pocket a little bit more than normal because of Donald. And again, it's just he doesn't just line up at the nose tackle. They move him around. And they're looking for, you know, Cardinals may have to slide protection. So, you know, I'll come up with my three keys, but I, I, I'm just thinking the Cardinals are going to have to, you know, they they got to be patient in this game. I know they want to throw the ball down the field, um, and if you trail, it kind of plays in that hand, but it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad thing to go on some nice drives and punch it in when you get in the red zone. You cannot kick field goals against this team. No, you, this has to be a high-scoring affair. Yeah. And whichever defense has maybe one more stop, that might be the difference between someone being 4-0 and the other team being 3-1. and Aaron Donald. 12 sacks in 14 career games against the Cardinals, including two and a half recorded against Kyler Murray. So, yeah, that that to me is the key. Rodney Hudson and that interior keep 99 out of the backfield as much as possible. Easier said than done. Totally get that. And then make sure you're not throwing it into the Rams' hands as far as Taylor Rapp. He's got two picks, including a pick six back in 2019. And, I, and I'm glad you mentioned his name because he's kind of been a cards killer. Now they had Troy Hill last year. He had that pick six before the half when Strebler threw the ball to him. He ended up going uh, to Cleveland in free agency. We'll see him down the road. But, you know, I, I was mentioning Kyler Murray's um, completion percentage, but I, I did find it uh, earlier. It was interesting to me when it came to Kyler Murray that he has two touchdown passes in his past two or three starts against the Rams. Aims for his third row of 80% completion percentage. So that that's an improvement. Now, before we get into this, I, I, I told you earlier, I, Tom Brady, I listened to his podcast and I also listened to Larry's, and Larry actually picked the Cardinals. Uh, he said, I'm not giving up on my Redbirds. But I, I thought what Brady said was, you know, regardless of what he did 20 years in New England, it has nothing to do when he's going there on Sunday night. And and I'm going to take this approach because we always, I always talk about the hammer and the nail, and clearly they have a really good team. They're a much better team with Sam Brad, uh, uh, Matthew Stafford, excuse me. Um, but they're a much better team, and, and you could just see when they made the trade, it was a big deal, and then the Cardinals went out and got J.J. Watt, and they were like, okay, this division's getting a lot better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in there, and Kyler kind of hit it on it. You can't control what happened in the past, but they can control what happens on Sunday. So that's that's my angle. So a little bit of wisdom from Tom Brady saying, that's great I put all these numbers up, but if we don't go out there and perform, then you know we're probably going to lose. But his point was, it means nothing. The game on Sunday means everything. So ignore the eight-game winning streak that the Rams have in this series. Well, I mean, we can sit here and fixate it. I mean, it's been three different uh, head coaches. It's it's been a couple different coordinators, and you got to give them credit because it, whether it was Wade Phillips or Brandon Staley and now Raheem Morris. But I, again, you can't control what's transpired, but you can definitely change the narrative. And and listen. Uh, are the Cardinals going to win this game? Listen, it's going to be a tough game. This is going to be another good test like week one, just like next week against San Fran and, and, and Cleveland. Just go in there and give it a fight. And then if you're you're in the fourth quarter, you, know, you obviously want to try to win this game. It's a big game for the Cardinals. It's a division game. It's another road game. So, uh, you know, yes, I, I, we've talked about it at length, but I'm thinking come Sunday, the score is zero to zero. Every year is different. Every team is different as far as year to year. But Kyler Murray has had some of his worst days 
against this Rams defense. Four interceptions over four career games. He's got three of his worst performances as far as passing percentage against the Rams, but he is throwing the ball this year better than he has an entire career. Last week, or week two, 80.6. Last week against the Jaguars, 82.4. In fact, the first quarterback in Cardinals franchise history with back-to-back 80-plus percentage completion percentage games. And it's fascinating because that's all well and good, but people keep getting fixated on the number four, meaning the four interceptions that he's thrown all coming from the pocket. But And I'll give Darren Urban azcardinals.com credit because he got a question on this on the mailbag this week and yes you hope that better decisions are being made but Darren brought up the name Brett Favre gunslinger mentality through a ton of interceptions no one really talks about that though because of his success personal success and team success so you are going to take chances you are going to see Kyler Murray take chances but bigger picture does the touchdowns outweigh the interceptions? What you're getting out of the talents outweigh the mistakes, if you will, or the chances that Kyler's taking? I'll just say this. you got to take the good with the bad. Uh, the fact that he's so dynamic running the ball, which covers some of those um, interceptions, the way he's able to get into the end zone in the rushing game. He's got three there already. So, you're gonna again, I, I – you don't want to be minus two or minus three in this game because you're playing to the opponent and they, they're a very potent offense. So I think you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, you don't want to have, you know, 20 interceptions at the end of the year. Um, and I think that number will go down. But again, uh, as long as he's not turning it over two or three times a game, I can live with that. But I think you got to take the good and the bad because of what he means to this offense, not just from the pocket, but what he means – as a dynamic player in this offense. Each of his first two seasons, Kyler, 12 interceptions. So he's ahead of that pace. But looking at Brett Favre, from 92 to 2007 with the Packers, he threw no fewer than 13 interceptions. And in 10 of those 16 seasons, he threw 16 or more. Five times he hit the 20 interception mark. Yet, what do we talk about? Playoffs? Super Bowls? one of the better quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League. Yet, what do we want out of Kyler Murray? That interception number, we want it to go down, but I do like what you said. If he's throwing four touchdowns with one interception, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I think Brett Favre was a little reckless, though, you know, because just, I mean, he was a gunslinger. He would stay in the pocket. He took a ton of hits. Uh, You know, obviously it it affected him uh, when it came to medicine and all that, but um, totally different quarterbacks, but I think the point's well taken that, yes, you're going to have interceptions. And, and Kyler's already thrown for 1,000 yards in three games. I mean, he's on pace for 5,000 yards. We, we went through this last year, 4,000 and close to 1,000. He's not running as much this year, um, even though he's been effective in the red zone, you know, kind of walking in the end zone like he, he normally does in great play calls by Cliff Kingsbury. So, like I said, I'll, I'll I'll take the good and the bad. You just don't want to lose a turnover battle each game to where that puts you behind the eight ball. If you're you're minus two or minus three, you're probably not going to win. It does happen, you know, when the Cardinals turned the ball over a couple of times. Um, I want to say when the Minnesota game, they were able to overcome that. But for throughout the course of the year, if you're on the other side of that, 
you're probably not going to win a lot of games. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, Bird Gang, bear with me with my voice. I feel fine, just don't quite sound fine. But that's all right. We press on here, getting ready for Week 4. Now, if you subtract the interceptions, and we talked about the completion percentage, the other aspect of Kyler Murray's game that we've been following for the past couple of weeks and really was asked a lot about earlier on Wednesday is how much better Kyler is spreading the football around. It's not just DeAndre Hopkins. It's A.J. Green. It's Christian Kirk. It's Rondell Moore. It's Max Williams. It's Chase Edmonds. Everyone is, has a hand in this offense, and that's what everyone hopes to have. You don't always get it. And last year, the Cardinals did not because it was always take the snap, look at number 10, and get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. That hasn't happened so far this season, especially not in the past two weeks. No, and and he says he feels pretty good about his reads, progressions, and spreading out the targets uh, to wide receivers. Whoever's open, they're getting the ball. And he said, on getting different receivers involved, I would love to have everyone smiling after the game, receivers-wise. Sometimes it doesn't go that way. There's no favoritism. Who's ever open is whoever's open. That's where he's going to throw it. So I, I like what he's saying. I, I thought he was he had a really good press conference. It wasn't very long, um, but I liked everything he's saying because we're going to sit here and talk about, you know, look at Hopkins. Who's the most targeted wide receiver on the roster? Is it Rondell Moore? Is it AJ Green now? Um, but if they're winning, and, and I hope Hop Hop is listening, I know that you know he wants to put up 1,400 yards as part of his career. He's always been the number one guy. But the fact that he's thrown to six to seven different guys, and if you're open, he's going to throw it to you. Now, we have no idea if teams are bracketing Hopkins to where they're keeping a safety over the top. And that would open up A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and Christian Kirk, and Chase Edmonds. So, I mean, I haven't asked. I'm sure Hop's thinking I got to get I got to get the ball, but at the same time, though, they're winning. So hopefully everyone's happy. But as he pointed out, you know, in the in the wide receivers room, you know, you, I think they're all rooting for each other. You're coming off, you know, AJ Green over 100 yards, Christian Kirk over 100 yards. You had Rondell Moore the week before. Hop obviously played well in Week One, um, but I I just like what Kyler's saying. I don't. I don't want to feel the pressure that he has to throw to Hop every time, and I think he mentioned that today. It kind of alluded to that was the case last year, and we know in week one he was targeted 16 times. He had 14 catches. I, if they're not going to um, bracket him or double-team him, I got no problem. But the Cardinals have more talent now where they just don't have to rely on one guy. And there's going to be a game that Hop's going to he's going to explode. It's, it's just a matter of time. Every week could be a different guy. Six different players have at least 10 or more catches for the Cardinals and all six of those have at least 113 receiving yards now fascinating that the leading pass catcher in terms of catches Chase Edmonds was 16 see I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that Christian Kirk leading the team in receiving yards but it's Edmonds who has the most catches and and we I mean to me if you want to go four wide Edmonds is the perfect guy to have out there because you got to put so much um, pressure on the defense. They got to cover the entire field, and then if Kyler goes through his progressions, or he's going to check it down. Chase Chase looks a lot. Fa- he, he looks fast this year. Every time I, I watch the, the game and, and rewind, he looks so fast on the field. So he must have spent a lot of time getting in great shape because he knew that you know quote bell cow. He's going to share reps, but um, he, he, quietly he's having a good season when it comes to all purpose yards, receiving and rushing. He again. 
Um, never going to fill up the stat sheet just because he's sharing carries. And then Connor had two touchdowns last week, but he's a big part of this offense. And we always focus on the on the four receivers, but they got a really good one-two punch with Edmonds and Connor. And then you throw in Max Williams, and we'll see if any other tight ends step up. Forty-seven total touches for Chase Edmonds through three games. That's rushing and receiving. That's an average of about 17, almost 18 a game, which is what he had talked about in the offseason. Let me get my let me be involved, whether that's in the run game or the pass game. He hasn't had that breakthrough highlight performance yet this season. He's just been, to your point, very solid and almost lost in the mix. Yeah, and and going in, you know, the more that we got through training camp, it was one and one A and one B. And we thought, all right, Edmonds is going to be your, you know, 20 to 20 guy. And, you know, actually they've had both in the backfield together. They've had Rondell Moore in the backfield with more James Conner. So, yeah, I think he's in a good spot. And and the thing is he's not taking the pounding. He he doesn't take a lot of big hits uh, because he has low gravity and he's able to change direction in the open field. Uh, like I said, if, if the Cardinals were looking at a guy you would want to extend before he becomes a free agent, and I know Christian Kirk's having a good year, he's got to stay healthy, but I think when we look at Chase Edmonds, he he could be your part of the future where you don't have to spend a ton of money at that position. It avoids you drafting that guy in the first or second round, and you can build around Chase Edmonds. And let's see, you know, Connor's on a one-year deal. I mean, I know these guys all like it here. I'm sure they're trying to – you know, put up numbers where they can go out in free agency. A.J. Green's on a one-year deal, so it'd be interesting. But I would ID Chase Edmonds the guy if they wanted to extend someone. It wouldn't surprise me at some point either this during the season or in the offseason. It'd be interesting to see the Cardinals' offensive approach this week against the Rams because against Tampa Bay a week ago, defensively the Rams held Tampa Bay to just 35 rushing yards. Let me say that again, 35 rushing yards total. Their best mark since 2017. So if their onus is to take away the run, which I think every defensive coordinator's mindset is, you want Kyler Murray throwing the ball. And we just documented, Bird Gang, that he's got a number of different weapons out there. Yet I would like to see this team have some more consistent running plays and get that per-carry average over four. Right now it's at 3.9. Hard to fault what they're doing, MJ, because, well... They're 3-0, 30 points, 400 yards of offense every single game. And you have a quarterback that I think it's – I mean, just the fact that he's averaging 9.9 per passing attempt. His, his rookie season, it was about 6.7, and then last year it was about 7.2. So he's almost 10 yards per attempt, and we'll see how that number fluctuates throughout the course of the year. And then the completion percentage. I mean, he's a his completion percentage is off the charts, so – um, that's why I'm confident that you know that this team can put up points in this game. But again, you got you got to have to eliminate the deep balls and everything else. And we'll get into the Rams' offense tomorrow. But that's why I'm more encouraged that you know let's just forget about everything that happened in the past. This is a different team. The third year, we know the team is, has much more talent and, and and they're more physical. And that was the problem. You know, maybe the last couple of years they didn't match the physicality with the Rams weekend and uh, when they played on. And we know the Rams, they can spin the ball down the field. they got good players. But um, I'm sure these guys know that the history, and but you know the guys that haven't been here, they're probably like, okay, this is, this is another game. And, and that's the approach they should have because Kyler's like, that's all in the past. And I couldn't agree more, even though we, I, I, we've been fixated on you have to beat the Rams. Now, it's, it's one game. 
Um, it doesn't control your season. You're going to play them again. Um, but this will go a long way to where you get the meat of your schedule because you've got the Rams, the Niners, the Browns, and then you know you look at the Texans and then you got the Packers. So there's certain games you want to win, and this would be one that you could put in your, your feather cap. Well, just be better in division games. Yeah. Two totally. and four last year, you have to get that number to three and three or four and two if you hope not just to win the division, but get to the postseason. Yeah, and they started off two and zero. Oh. We won in week one in San Francisco, and then they beat the Seahawks. I mean that that was ideal, but you know two and four is not going to cut it. And it'd be remarkable if this team's went able to win another road game because you start the season and eh, scratch out a couple road wins. They've had three or two road games and they're winning, and all of a sudden, you know, at some point, you know, you like to scratch out. If they can get to three or four, that's remarkable. Then you win six or seven at home. I mean, that's the way it is. And now you're at nine or 10 or 11. So I know it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. But I like their chances more going into this this week than I have in the past. Well, just don't make mistakes. Whether that's penalties, turnovers, and each game so far this season, postgame, Kyler Murray has expressed frustration, either specifically mentioning that word or – speaking around that word and expressing it differently. And that's despite this team being 3-0 because he understands and he wants to be perfect all the time. It's impossible, but that's his goal. And he understands that if they just do what they're supposed to, yeah, 30 points, 35, 40, 500 yards of total offense, that would not be a surprise to him. Yeah, and he said, I'm built for this. I mean, this is a big game for him. Again, it's just the next game on the schedule and then we'll – Talk about the Niners game and the Browns game. Now, I saw this stat earlier, and it was fascinating. The top five offenses in the NFL that respond to an opponent's score with the score of their own, regardless of the game score, the Cardinals are number one at 75%. Wow. Rams, 63%. Vegas, 56%. Cleveland, 55%. And Baltimore, 55%. Combined record, 13-2. and two. Top three teams, 9-0. and oh. We saw the Cardinals on Sunday against Jacksonville with good responses, especially in the second half. It's almost, you in baseball, it's the it's the shutdown inning. After you score, your pitcher goes out, you want a 1-2-3 inning, get back into the dugout. But that's an excellent stat because it shows that in the face of adversity, the Cardinals are, okay, that just happened. What do we need to do to get back on track? And they are the best team at doing that. Yeah, and, and, and that's fascinating. I was like, wow. I, I mean, I... I want to go back and look at the games and see the possessions because, to me, they've answered the bell. And one thing this team has learned how to do this year is finish games. I mean, yes, it's not ideal um, when you got to come down to a kick in Minnesota, but they were able to come back in that game. They shut um, basically Dalvin Cook down and and, and, um, Kirk Cousins in the second half. So, yeah, I mean, it's – but they've done a much better job finishing um, games, and that's basically part of learning how to win in the NFL. It's the growth, the maturity, not only for the guys that have been here all three seasons, but now the influx of veterans, a J.J. Watt, Rodney Hudson, A.J. Green, all of those players helping this team get to the next level. Now, of course, we talk about the next level and the next step, beating the Rams this week. It is just one game, and you have to take each game individually but for me personally, MJ, and I'm sure I'm not alone, this is a huge game because, one, of the history, two, it's a division game, and it's been that obstacle in the in the way of this team for so many years. And you would just like 
to see that obstacle moved away, pushed aside. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm probably stating the obvious, but I, I think this is the best chance they'll have to beat the Rams. It doesn't mean they're going to win on Sunday. They play them again later in the season. So, um, but just based on what they've accomplished so far, and I know Stafford's a an upgrade over Jared Goff and Cooper Cup. Um, we'll get into that, you know, how they're going to face the Cardinals defense tomorrow. But uh, I'm just saying, like, I, I like their chances. But, again, you got to go in there and you can't give up big plays. You can't turn the ball over. You can't shoot yourselves in the foot with penalties and turnovers. It's just the little things, as Kyler's talked about over the last year. If you do the little things right, maybe it will, it will show up on the scoreboard when the game's over. Well, so far the Cardinals have done the little things, and hopefully that continues, or at least – I wouldn't say be competitive, but I'd like to see this game Sunday, whether it's back and forth and each team's got 30 points. I'd like to see a game with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Sign me up. Not not already decided like it has been historically. Yeah, now they're going to have to get better on third down. They were not well on third down. Luckily, they got some fourth downs, but and it didn't come back to hurt them. But you're playing a much better uh, opponent here, so you, you can't afford to have one third down. I mean that you you have to control. That's what I said. You have to be patient here. Um, yes, it's easy to get. You know, it's it's easier on a drive. We always talk about 10, 12 play drive, and I'm not saying they're going to do that. But they've had some good drives recently. Ten plays, 75 yards, chewing six minutes on the clock. That that will go a long way. Um, but you got to be able to convert in the red zone, not field goals, touchdowns. Kingsbury, I can't remember if it was post game or on Monday, but he was asked where he wanted to see this offense go next, the next step for this offense. His response was third down offense. It was great in week one, seven of thirteen. Weeks two and three, a combined four of 19. But it's even more glaring when you look at where they are not successful as far as the yards they have to gain. Week one, third and five or less, five of eight. Weeks two and three, third and five or less, oh of seven. That, to me, is the statistic that will keep Kingsbury up at night because it means drives aren't being sustained. You're not moving the sticks. You're not moving up and down the field. And it's not like you're telling me it's third and 12 all the time. That's third and five. That's manageable. That that should not, I wouldn't say easy, but you have you have entire options. playbook at your disposal. You can run it or still pass it. When you're in third and 12, you're just going to throw a screen pass because you're just hoping to you know win field position. Yeah, that's interesting because that, that was the problem in the last couple of years, just finding, you know, the penalties, the pre-snap penalties, and they were behind the sticks. Those are manageable downs, Craig. Those are manageable downs, and uh, you 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 got to go fifty percent in this game. On now, the good news is when the Cardinals get down to the red zone, they score touchdowns. I mean, they were close to seventy-eight percent. It's ten of thirteen. Ten of thirteen. Which I mean, given the opportunity, sometimes the percentage. Look at what the look how many times a team gets inside the 20-yard line. Okay. The percentage can be misleading because you can be 2 of 2, and you're like, well, they're 100%. Well, how many times have they gotten into the red zone? Cardinals, 13 trips, 10 times they've come out with touchdowns. That is a that is a bigger number to me than the percentage number. Makes sense. And and, and again, that, that tells me they're able to move the ball and they're able to score, and we know that they're dynamic with him and James Conner. What's five touchdowns between the two there? Um, yeah, it's it's one of those uh, scenarios where, you know, they uh, again they in, in time of possession, 
I've talked about in the in the past it can be misleading, but the Cardinals, I mean, they are holding the ball 32 minutes, where the Rams are they're not holding it as much. So they 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 score in four or five plays. So they're not going to be out there for 60 plays. Now they, it's not like they don't want to run the ball, but with the way that Stafford's throwing the ball to Cooper Cup and to Sean Jackson and all that other stuff, so we'll be able to get into that. But I I just look from a standpoint of they should be able to put points on the board in this game. Absolutely. Right now, the Cardinals have hit that 30-point mark in every single game. Probably going to take 35, maybe even 40. And we it's funny because we were having this discussion ahead of week one. Whoever has the ball last, Titans offense, outstanding. They add Julio Jones, Cardinals offense. Look at all the weapons and what happened. Only one team showed up offensively. I'm not expecting a repeat performance in that category here on Sunday. Yeah, I like what you said. I mean, if if it's a close game with six minutes to go, hey, again, it's not always the best team that uh, that are the most talented team that wins. It's the team that plays the best on that day, and that's what the Cardinals are looking forward to. And again, they're going against a quality opponent. Um, clearly, as I pointed out, um, it's a huge upgrade at the position. Uh, McVeigh, when he gets in the rhythm and we haven't even talked about bootlegs. We'll talk about that, how, they, how they're going to approach that kind of stuff. But it, it's the defense is going to have their work cut out. 105 is the kickoff on Sunday from SoFi Stadium. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Both teams, 3-0. and Not the storyline of the week. That's happening in Foxborough. But it is, to me, the game of the week when you look at what these two teams have done through the first month of the season. Yeah, and it seems like we're going to have the round-robin tournament with the NFC West in the next couple of weeks. Of course, the Cardinals, uh, they have the Rams this week, and then I want to say the Seahawks and the um, 49ers. 49ers are playing. And then the next week, the, the, the Cardinals play the 49ers. So we talk about division games, uh, road games. Um, listen, I'll, I'll sign up right now for 3-3 three and three in the division. If you win the first couple, get greedy, try to go 4-2, and two, but – this is a, an important game just in the standings and when it comes to the conference. Much more on this matchup as the week progresses, provided the voice holds up. How do you think how do you think I'm doing, MJ? <laughs> I feel for you, honestly. I've been there before. I feel I feel for you. I just because I know you got the pipes and everything, and you're and you're uh, you're grinding it out. But I I feel for you because you look fine. You, I mean, it's not like you got a fever or anything. It's just. When you start talking, it's not the same pipes that you normally have. But I appreciate you grinding it out. We'll do the best we can here. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.